God bless you. Welcome today. Merry Christmas, everybody. Before you're seated, say hello to somebody in the area. And you may be seated today. God bless you. God bless you. So glad you're with us today. If you're here for the very first time, Pastor Mo already greeted you. You know, it's always Christmas in his house, right? <laughs> Mo Christmas. He was looking good in those Air Jordans 4s that he had on his feet. Did you notice that today? Looking pretty sharp. Amen. I have a pair, actually, believe it or not. You know, I was at an Air Jordan store um, in the mall, Burlington Mall. Mind my own business looking at sneakers and looking at the, how expensive they are, right? And this man came up to me and said, are you the owner of this place? <laughs> I, I, I must look that prosperous. <laughs> I, I said, no. I said, no, I'm actually a customer. He said, what? At your age? <laughs> so with that comment, I wasn't sure if that was a compliment, if that was... I took it as a compliment. You know, I'm a half glass, glass half full kind of person. So I said, well, thank you. <laughs> I guess. I don't know what that was. But anyways, it took me by surprise. Um, welcome today. Thank you for joining us. If you're here for the very first time, my name is Jonathan Del Turco. I'm the lead pastor of International Family Church, and we're glad you're here today. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, welcome to week three in our four-part series entitled Simply Jesus. And if you were with us in week one, I reminded you and said to you, I want to remind you today that, that if, if there is one word that I could describe the people I've come in contact with on a regular basis over the last 21 months or so, it would be the word complicated, right? It would be the word complicated. When life becomes so crazy, busy, uncertain, angry, people are angry, there's, there's anger, there's discouragement, um, there's uncertainty. Life can quickly become a tangled mess. Life can quickly become extremely complicated. What do we do? What do we need to do when life becomes complicated? What's the word? We need to simplify. Exactly. We need to simplify. We need to get back to basics. Let me tell you something. Jesus is getting us back to basics. It's getting us back to what really matters. Jesus has always been the answer. Jesus is still the answer. Jesus will always be the answer. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm so grateful that he has that name. His name is above every name, the mighty, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. Let me tell you something. When Jesus comes back into your life, when you get your focus back on Jesus, amen, it simplifies our life. In week one of Simply Jesus, I talked about our good shepherd. And last week, my wife knocked it out of the park. Verna talked about our healer. Amen? It was wonderful. If you missed any one of those parts, please get back online, intlfamilychurch.com, the media section reminding you that all of our messages are archived there. And today, I want to talk to you in part three about our Emmanuel. Our Emmanuel. There are two main Bible verses that I want to talk about today. The first one's going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles or digital device, you can turn there with me today. Uh, it'll be on the screen in just a moment. Then our second opening will be John chapter 1. And there's going to be a very important 
um, description, very important perspective that both of these scriptures, we're going to compare them today and help you understand the real reason for this season, what God did through Jesus. Here in Luke chapter 2, Luke describes this once-in-a-lifetime event this way. Verse 1, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the entire inhabited earth should be taxed. This taxation was first named when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own city to be taxed. So Joseph also departed from the city of Nazareth to Galilee to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem in Judea, because he was of the house of the lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So while they were there, the day came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, when I read these verses of Scripture, something happens to me because I understand First of all, we know what happens next. The angels show up, innumerable host of angels. Some, some theologians tell us that all the angels of heaven showed up that day. The shepherds were there. The bright star was there. But did you notice that, that before any of that happened, that this whole story that we just read about the birth of Jesus screams with normalcy? A normal setting, a normal set of circumstances, and events are taking place. It's a regular couple. Joseph and Mary, we find them covered in road dust as they arrive in a simple town of Bethlehem, dealing with a common issue, a government census, a crowded, overbooked hotel, no place to stay, and finally ending up in a common stable. This is not King Joseph. This is not Queen Mary. They don't have a tax exemption. They don't have a special dispensation from the government to stay home. Yes, God is within her belly. But Mary is so normal, and Joseph is so normal. Their assignment might not be normal, but we're talking about normal people. They're from a normal place called Nazareth. Joseph is a hardworking carpenter with calluses on his hand, and Mary is nine months pregnant, uncomfortable, and has stretch marks. <laughs> Think about it. This is, these are, this is a normal person here. And when they, they're not traveling in a caravan, there's no banners, there's, there's no servants, there's just a lot of normal. Normal like you, and you, and you, and me. There's a lot of normal going on here. When they arrive in the end, they heard the same thing probably you and I would have heard. There's no room here. See, if that would have been King Joseph or Queen Mary, they might have heard a different statement. They might have heard something different. Maybe they would have made some arrangements, moved some people. Um, maybe there's a certain few rooms aside that they always say are available for, for executives and so forth. And maybe they would have found a place they would have had a different response. But maybe you've heard similar responses in your overcrowded world. Think about it. Maybe you've heard, we don't have room for you. You don't have time for you. We don't have an opportunity for you. 
Maybe you didn't hear that directly, but it's how maybe a family member, a spouse, a parent, a sibling, or a boss, or a group of friends made you feel unimportant and tolerated. No one wants to live through life feeling they're unimportant, and nobody wants to go through life feeling like they're tolerated, and instead, we want to all be celebrated and be in a place where we don't feel like we're just like anybody else. I believe that the reason why we love this story is because Jesus, the Son of God, was born in our everyday drama that we all deal with. I want to prove that to you today. What if Joseph and Mary were wearing furs and riding in a limo and being escorted down a red carpet with the angels and the shepherds in the stands taking pictures and the Today Show was interviewing Joseph and Mary as they came down the red carpet? Well, who are you wearing tonight, Joseph? You look awfully sharp today. Well, I'm wearing Hugo Boss. Don't I look pretty good tonight? Well, how about you, Mary? You're looking so divine these days. Get it? Divine? Anyways, I thought it was good. If Jesus arrived and circled with pomp and circumstance, we would be reading the story and as we read it, maybe we'd be impressed by the production value, by the bling, by the style, by the list of celebrities. We might indeed be impressed, but we wouldn't be able to relate. Why? Because that's not the world we live in. Sometimes I think the real splendor of this part of the Christmas story is the lack thereof. Now think about this. Think about John when he described the coming of Christ he comes at it from a very different angle. Luke is a doctor and he has detail and he's kind of following the couple as they go through the practical, the practicality of their journey. John, on the other hand, takes us up to heaven and gives us a totally different perspective of the coming Christ. Let's read in John chapter 1, then let's contrast today. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 and verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him, and without Him nothing was created that was created. Verse 14, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory the glory as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. How does John begin his gospel? Well, actually, he begins this gospel the same way the author of Genesis began the Bible. In the beginning, God created. Was this a coincidence? Or was this John's intended message? In the beginning, the one who grew in Mary's womb for nine months. In the beginning, the one who Mary held in her arms and, and, and carried and laid in the manger was in the beginning. He was in the beginning. In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, the Word was God and the Word was with God. In verse 3, it says, all things were made through him. Notice it doesn't say by him. There's a difference. If all things were made by him, he would then take pre-existing things and assemble them together, making them something. No, all things were made through him, which tells us he took nothing and made them into something. Amen. Amen. He just didn't 
reassemble what already existed. But by his divine decree called into existence something out of nothing. Paul said in Colossians 1.15, he was the firstborn of all creation. Paul goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, but for us, there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things were created and through him we live. So here we have Jesus in the beginning, the one through which everything was made. And John said, the word became flesh. He became one of us. What no theologian could have ever imagined, what no rabbi could have ever dreamed possible, Jesus did. God became flesh. He dwelt among us. He became Emmanuel, God with us. Remember the promise from the angel, Matthew 1, 23? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus came to us as Emmanuel, the with us God, not the near us God, not the around us God, not somewhere in the zip code God, but the with us God. Listen very carefully. The artist became the paint on his own canvas. The potter became the clay on his own wheel. God became a fetus and put himself willingly, willingly in a very normal circumstance, the womb of a woman, right? The womb of a woman, God himself covered in a placenta. Nine months later did what? Nine months later went down the birth canal and was born into the calloused hands of a Jewish carpenter. Think about that. Think about the enormity of what I just described. Think about the power of that. Amen. A side note, John 10, 1 and 2, if you'll read it and go back, a little Bible study for you, you'll realize that God, Jesus mentions in verse 1 and 2 that a robber comes through a different door, but Jesus, the good shepherd, came through the right door. What door is he talking about? The birth through a woman. Satan is a robber and a thief. He was never born through a woman. Jesus belongs here. Jesus has rights here on this earth. Why? He came through the legal way. He came through the door. He came through the birth of a woman. And so Satan has no legal power here. Satan is a robber and a thief, as John 10, 10 tells us. Isn't that something? A little side note, I wanted to throw a little tidbit out to you, some of you Bible students, because I think that's so important today. But think about this. Why is all this so important? If God would become flesh and dwell among us, we can believe then that God is with us right now. God is with you in your complicated set of circumstances. God is with you in your overwhelming situations that you don't know which way to turn. You don't understand, will this ever end? Will all this pressure and drama and fear and uncertainty ever change? Amen. See, listen very carefully. And not for a moment 
Dare you think that God does not have room in his heart for you or that he's too busy running the universe and doesn't have time to listen to your heart's cry? So you have to understand the real reason for the Christmas story, the real reason of what God is trying to communicate to his people, the real reason what God's trying to tell us in the world today. God has not chosen to limit his presence through and to sanctuaries in saints in stained glass windows. God has chosen instead for his presence to dwell inside of each one of his sons and daughters' hearts, the ones that are crazy enough to believe that God is with us, that God loves us, that God is for us, that God, Emmanuel, became flesh and dwelt among us. Think about this. You will call him Emmanuel because wrapped up in the cloak of commonness is God. God is with us. See, he loves to come to normal people. Amen. He loves to come through normal circumstances. Yes, I understand everybody's normal is different depending upon their season. Your normal might be the drama right now, trying to figure out what is your purpose here on planet Earth and why am I here? Your normal might be the drama of little ones running around your house today. Your normal might be the drama of teenagers who lock themselves in their room, always moody. Your normal might be uh, being empty nesters and finally dealing with your marriage issues you've ignored for years. And your normal might be the drama of aging and redefining your purpose. No matter what your normal might be, rest assured that Emmanuel is God with you. Emmanuel, God with you. Why would he do this? Why would he come to normal people through their normal circumstances? The only reason that makes sense to me is this one. He must really think you're special. He must really think very highly of you. If he was so willing to come into the, your world to talk to you, to be with you, to dress like you, to appear like you, to become flesh so that someday you would go to heaven into his world, he must really love you unconditionally. That's an amazing truth when you think about that today. Have you ever thought about what that journey was like for God to become flesh? This is the question I asked. How do we describe this? How do we describe this most amazing transition. How do we describe this? What kind of perspective can we humans understand? What's going on here? Think about this. John reduces it down to a sentence. The word became flesh. What an immense journey. What would it be like for the God of creation to become an actual resident of Nazareth in a carpenter's home? I gave this some thought. And I asked the Lord, Lord, give me an example. How do I drive this point home? How do we have a fresh perspective about Christmas? How do we understand this? How do we deal with this enormous truth? Well, here it goes. Bear with me. In our neighborhood, we have quite a few rabbits. Maybe your neighborhood, you do too. We actually have a family of rabbits in our backyard that live under our deck. And to be honest with you, I have a love-hate relationship <laughs> with these rabbits. 
oh, I love the fact that they're so cute and furry and I'm an animal lover. You know, my daughter and I share that experience. We're, we, 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 we care about the animals in our backyard. But you know what? I'm not happy because they eat all of our flowers, <laughs> stems and all, down to the roots. You know, I've sat on my deck once or twice and I talked to them. I try to reason with them. I do. All they do is keep eating and staring at me and give me this goofy rabbit look like. You know what I'm talking about. They never respond. I think, is this too much to ask? You're eating my flowers, living under my deck rent-free. The indifference and, un and ungrateful attitude is a problem to me. I'll get over it. But think about it. Besides a chance encounter with a coyote or a hawk, they live a great life, living in my peaceful backyard, living life large under my deck. I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I've actually never once prayed, God, make me a rabbit. I know it's hard to believe. I know it might be a stretch for you to think that I would never pray, God, make me a rabbit. God, make me soft and furry, and God, make me fast and enable me to hop out of the way of a coming coyote or a flying hawk. I never once prayed that. You know why? I saw what rabbits eat. Do you know what rabbits eat? Do you know that rabbits don't eat at Five Guys? They don't eat at Capitol Grill. They have no clue what Ben and Jerry's is like. They eat leaves and stems from flowers and lots and lots of grass. You know where they live? They live in holes. They live under my deck. They live under your deck. They live in broken down sheds. Do you think I'm going to give up what I get to live in for that? Do you think for a moment I'm going to give up the four seasons in New England? I'm going to give up the beaches and the lakes and the mountain views and warm lobster rolls and lots of butter? No way. <laughs> to confine my life living under someone's deck? Absolutely not. I don't want to become a rabbit. How far of a journey would that be to become one of them? Well, as soon as you find an answer to that question, multiply it by a billion, and you will have a fraction of what it meant for the Lord Jesus to become flesh and dwell among us. Amen. Think about it. He who was never bound by time suddenly is living in a world that is marked by time. He, would be, he who would be anywhere at any time voluntarily reduced himself for 33 years as far as his feet would take him. He who was all-powerful now is asking for help. He who was all-knowing now has to ask his father what he should do. He who was never tired or weary now needs sleep. He who was never hungry now needs to look for something to eat. He feels everything you and I would feel so that we would believe that he really was God with us, Emmanuel. 
Are you finally understanding the enormity of this truth? Think about it. God is with us. He's with you in your disappointments. He's with you in your difficult relationships. He's with you in your failures. He's with you in your fears. He's with you in your darkest moments. The one who made the stars is with you. God is with you. You know what that is? It's present tense. It's not God was with you. It's not God will be with you. It's not God could be with you. It's not God would have been with you if God is with you right now. Amen. You're never alone. He's beside you. He's ahead of you. He's behind you. Amen. Above you. And most importantly, he wants to be in you. Now think about this. God Almighty, God all-knowing, God everywhere at once said, how do I reach people? How do I reach people? How do I help people? How do I restore order that the, the first Adam lost and blew it in the garden? How do I bring order back to earth? Only God could conceive that he would leave his celestial palace in heaven and he would come the same way you and I came into this world through the birth of a mother. You and I came through and we were loaded with blood and placenta and fluids and so forth. God did the same thing. To prove the Christmas story is true. To prove to you he's for you. To prove to you he's there for you. To prove to you he understands you. He ate our food, right? He understands our lives. He let go of all that heaven had to offer and came down from light and the glory of God into the dark, evil world. Why did he do that? Because he knows you need him. He wants to be there for you. He gets you. He understands you. No one who didn't go through, no one can read a book and get us human beings. No one could just got to go to school and learn about human beings and think that they can understand human beings. Guess what God did? He became flesh. He dwelt among us. He's Emmanuel. Why? Because you need to understand a fresh perspective about God's plan for our for mankind and how heaven is important. Not only does God with us, what good is he being with us if you don't welcome him in you? The Christmas story is incomplete with only Emmanuel, God with us. That's important to know. God Almighty is with you. He's in your circumstances. He goes home with you. He wants to help you. He wants to bring breakthrough into your life. He wants to give you strategy and strength, and he wants you to know you're loved and valued and have a purpose and assignment on this earth. Absolutely. But not only is he with you, he longs to be in you. Because when he's in you, when life really begins to change for you, when he's in you, you understand something because you're made up of a three-part being. You, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And when Jesus comes into your spirit, when you say yes to him, like many of you will do for the first time in a few minutes, when you say yes to Jesus and you invite him into your heart, that God-sized hole that only God can fill now becomes filled and you have purpose and a new beginning and you have forgiveness and your life is never the same. Heaven becomes your home. Amen. And God longs to bring victory into every area of your 
life. But not only does he fill that God-sized hole, he then does what? He restores your soul, your will, your emotions, your intellect. And he goes even further, and he heals your body. That's the goodness of God. That's why Jesus came. The good news is Jesus didn't stay a baby. We would love to keep him as a baby. Religion would love to keep him as a baby. Atheists would love to keep him as a baby. Agnostics would love to keep him as a baby. But he grew up and didn't stay a baby. We think babies are cute. But he grew up and became a savior. He grew up and became a man. He grew up and represented God. He grew up and did everything God's will be done on earth. Amen. He was the express image of the will of God. And he lived and he suffered and he died and he shed his blood and became a savior. Amen. On a cross. And that's what intimidates the world. Babies are cute. A savior back off. Come on, somebody. Amen. But when he's in you, life changes. I love Corinthians 1, 27. Here's what it says. To whom God was pleased to make known how great for the Gentiles, this is us, are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ within and among you, the hope of glory. Jesus is available to all of us. He wasn't born on a high mountaintop where we couldn't get to him, or he wasn't born behind a gated community that was close to us. He was born right out in the open where anyone could come and have a relationship with him. That's the point. God wants a relationship with you. God didn't leave his eternal home. God didn't leave the, the divine presence of where he was. Amen. And, 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 and that kingdom and environment to start a religion, to start a denomination. Why would he do that unless he wanted a personal relationship with each one of you? He comes on our level. John 1.14, the New Living Bible says, so the world, the word became human and made his home among us. Among us. He didn't live in a palace with armed guards some distance away. So we couldn't get close to him. He lived among us. I love what the Message Bible says of that same verse. Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Do you understand that the Christmas story is God moved into your neighborhood? Jesus lives in your neighborhood. Jesus lives in your family. Jesus lives in your house. Jesus wants to impact your children, your teenagers, and your young adults. He moved into the neighborhood. And change the neighborhood, right? Changes our lives and, and, and literally can change neighborhoods, right? When we represent Jesus well, amen, and we live out our lives. That's such good news. God meets us right where we are. He came to rescue us from our sin. That's what separates us from God. That's what separates us from this God who left this celestial home and came to this dark, evil world to bring light into the darkness. I love and close here with John 3, 16 and 17 in the message uh, paraphrase. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And here's why. So that no one needed to be lost. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all this trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. Why did he do all that just to tell us we're no good? 
telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. He came to put the world right again. Wow. That's amazing. Now, I've been at this a long time. And that just gave me a fresh perspective about Christmas. It gave me a fresh perspective of all that God went through. Oftentimes, we don't think about all that God went through. We read over those verses and think, what is the, what's the story behind it all? What did he go through? Think about that. He went through all that he went through because he loves you. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about your health. He's concerned about all that debt. He's concerned about what you don't know what to do. He's concerned about your lack of strategy on how to get where you need to be. He's concerned about your children. He's concerned about your husband. He's concerned about your wife. He's concerned about your life. He's concerned about the season you find yourself in. He's concerned about you. Well, others might not get you right now because of whatever season you're in. He gets you. He loves you. And I pray that this gives you a fresh perspective of all that God went through just to have a relationship with you. I don't know about you, but that blesses me. I've read the Christmas story hundreds of times. Spoke about it many times. But this just did something to me that made me love and appreciate God all the more. I already love Him. I'm already amazed by Him. I'm already enthralled by Him and His love for me. But just, just took it to another dimension that gave me such a fresh perspective of the goodness of God and how He has everything under His control that we place under His control for our lives today. If you're here, you don't know this Jesus that became flesh. You don't know this Jesus that went through this amazing transformation just so now he could come and live in your heart. He could come now and save you from your sins. Come now and forgive you, give you a new lease on life. He came into our world so that we would accept him, that we would eventually live in his world and go to heaven. But until that time, he wants us to have victory and joy and peace and be free from fear as we live and travel through this world that's often very difficult. Won't you stand to your feet with me? I want to make sure you know him today, whether you're here in the room or joining us online today. I want to make sure that Jesus lives inside your heart. The best Christmas gift you could ever unwrap is to make sure that Jesus lives in your heart today. To make sure that you know that you know that he loves you, he forgives you, wants a relationship with you. Just say, Pastor, pray for me, please. I, I want to make sure that I know that I know that Jesus is my Lord. In a moment, I'm going to ask you, with every head bowed, please, pray with me. I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise a hand to say what? That's me, Pastor. I believe that I need Jesus today. I'm going to be an adult and be responsible. My hand raised means I am intentionally saying yes to Jesus. I am making a choice and a decision to serve him all the days of my life. I say, Pastor, I need this Jesus. Pray for me, please. If that's you and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart before, will you raise that hand nice and high today? I'm going to know who you are. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
I see it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Who else? Raise it up high today. Thank you. Yeah, I see it. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I see it. Yeah, sir. I see it. Anybody else? Yes, I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Joining us online. Thank you, ma'am. Come on, chat with us. There's hosts right there. Let us help you today. We want to be a blessing to you today. We want to make sure that Jesus lives in your heart today. Anybody else? Looking one more time, we want to pray for you today. If you didn't raise your hand, you know you should. Let's pray this prayer together. Join us online as we pray this very important prayer. Let's open up our hearts and let Jesus make a difference. If you've drifted away from God and maybe this is the first time you've been in church in a very long time, the good news is God's arms are always open wide towards you. The good news is just take a step back to him. He's never turned his back on you. Even though we do over and over times and times again in our life, God never turns his back on us. All you have to do is turn towards him. Say yes to him again and get back in right standing with him today. Let this Christmas be a new beginning for you that have fallen away for whatever reason. doesn't matter the reason. All God wants is you back. Let's pray this together. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. I tried to do this on my own. It hasn't worked. I've miserably failed. But I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me from my sins. I need you. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe God raised you from the dead. And you're alive and well. I receive by faith forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. Thank you for shedding your blood for me today. I will never be the same. And I will always understand the real reason for the season. It's you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give him praise today.